Most of us dream of a long retirement, right? Well, a new analysis suggests that your chances of having that come true depends on where you live. Reporters at Bloomberg compared average retirement ages in different countries to average life expectancy. If you live in France, you can expect to enjoy about 19 years after the typical retirement age at 60. In the U.S., that figure is around 11 years. This is Pulse Check. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. 20 mostly Republican senators wrote Friday to HHS and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services calling on them to expand coverage for Lakembi, an Alzheimer's therapy from ISI and Biogen approved in January. After the FDA approved another Alzheimer's drug, Adahelm, in 2021, the CMS said it would only cover Adahelm and all drugs like it, including Lakembi, for people in clinical trials. Lawmakers and advocates are concerned that millions of eligible patients living with Alzheimer's won't be able to afford these treatments without CMS coverage. Few can afford either of these drugs out of pocket, which cost more than $25,000 annually. The senator's letter follows one from 74 House lawmakers sent at the end of last month asking CMS to reconsider its coverage of Alzheimer's drugs. mRNA vaccine manufacturer Moderna will announce its 2022 fourth quarter and year-end earnings on Thursday. The company said last week it would ensure that everyone has access to COVID-19 vaccines regardless of their ability to pay, in contrast to its previously reported plan to charge $110 to $130 per dose when shots hit the commercial market later this year. Senate Help Committee Chair Bernie Sanders has scheduled a hearing on March 22nd with Moderna's CEO and three drug pricing academics to discuss the cost of these vaccines. And Krista Marr has been reporting on nursing homes as the continued epicenter for COVID-19. Thanks for having me. Okay, so since the start of the pandemic, nursing homes in America have really been at the center of sickness and death. Today, nursing home residents are still the most vulnerable group in the country. Why has it been so hard to protect nursing home residents and, and staff? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, today there are still hundreds of residents who are dying from COVID each week um, in nursing Mm -hmm. homes across the country. So they continue to disproportionately bear the burden of this pandemic as everyone else really moves on. And the latest research having to do with the booster, the bivalent booster, which was rolled out in the early fall, Mm -hmm. is that it offers a huge level of protection to residents against infection, 30 to 50% less of a risk of getting infected for residents who are boosted. And that's just incredibly important in an environment where, you know, you have a lot of people who have comorbidities and people who are living in congregate settings. Mm -hmm. Getting this booster is a significant improvement for their health in terms of not getting COVID. Mm -hmm. And I remember back in 2020 and 2021, it seemed like nursing home staff and residents were the first in line to get their COVID-19 vaccines What do you think went wrong with the booster campaign? Right. I mean, they literally were in in 2020, 2021. um, What happened at that point was the CDC uh, formed a partnership with uh, CVS and Walgreens and rolled out 
thousands of free clinics on site at nursing homes to make sure that the shot got out to this incredibly vulnerable population. Mm -hmm. And then later, 2021 and early 2022, CMS, which is the agency that is overseas nursing homes, actually mandated that staff had to get their primary vaccination. And as a result, the rates of both the residents and the staff went up to, you know, over 86%. So very, very good numbers. Mm -hmm. Now, with the booster, the federal government decided not to roll out this series of free clinics again all over the country at on-site at nursing homes and not to update that staff mandate mm. that they have to get boosted as well as have their primary vaccination. It's not that the federal government hasn't done anything. They've actually been doing a lot. They have been running education campaigns. They've been giving support to other community organizations to help nursing homes, you know, connect with pharmacies. Um, you know, the, the pharmacy partnership with different retail pharmacies in the CDC, it still exists. And if, you know, I am a nursing home administrator, I can call up CVS and I can, for instance, order an on-site free clinic to come to my nursing home. The difference is that the onus is on the facilities. Mm. So instead of the federal government blanketing the industry with these on-site clinics, it is instead the responsibility of the facilities to do this. And the federal government, just to say one more thing that that is required of facilities, mm -hmm. you know, they also are required by regulation to tell residents and staff about the booster and offer to administer the booster. So, you know, there are some very clear things that nursing homes have to do. Mm -hmm. It's just that the kind of level of intervention has been really different. Do we think that's sort of a result of the uh, public health and national emergencies winding down? And, and do you think that this would ever get to the point where the federal government, CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, intervenes again? Could it could it ever get to that point? Well, I mean, that's a good question. I talked to some nursing home advocates who said, you know, that this is the kind of thing where if there is a crisis, there could be, you know, another intervention where, you know, if we saw really high levels of cases and hospitalizations again, as we have it in previous waves, perhaps at that point, the government might make a different decision about how they've gone about this. In terms of it having to do with the winding down of the public health emergency, I don't think it's necessarily related. I mean, if you, the booster was rolled out in, you know, months and months ago, mm -hmm. long before we knew exactly when this PHE was going to end. So I don't think the decision was necessarily tethered to that as far as I understand from my reporting. But one thing that nursing home advocates are worried about is that this is only going to get harder to get people boosted after the PHENs because it sends a signal and a message to people that there's nothing, you know, the pandemic is over and we are through the worst of it. And maybe that protection, um, people won't be as proactive about going out and getting shots. So that's how they're worried about it in relation to the public health emergency ending. Yeah. I mean, in some of my coverage of the Food and Drug Administration, it seems like, you know, agency officials have started noodling 
what an annual booster campaign would look like and if they could make it mirror the annual flu shot campaign as they predict that this virus is going to continue to evolve and mutate and maybe evade current vaccine coverage. So, I mean, what does the current state of booster rates in nursing homes among residents and staff, what does that say for like the future of some of these hypothetical vaccine campaigns? That is the question. And I think that one person that I talked to at ARP put it really well. And he said, you know, we got an extraordinary effort for the primary vaccination and we got extraordinary results. We got the normal effort for the booster and we got normal results. So I think his point was that, you know, without these interventions, without kind of, you know, making getting vaccination rates a priority for this population moving forward, nursing homes will continue to kind of muddle along at the same rate of vaccination that they've had for flu and pneumococcal and in in Mm -hmm. all their regular vaccines, which are not particularly high considering the population that they have. So I think that that is, you know, the expectation for this kind of annual COVID shot if it comes to pass, that it will just follow along with the vaccination trends of other vaccines that they've been getting. Oh, boy. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Krista, for uh, joining us today. (laughs) Thanks for letting me talk about it. Have a good one. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Brooke Hayes is our editor. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. <laughs>